Hello and welcome to the First in Orange podcast, a Denver Post podcast talking everything Denver Broncos. Uh, my name is Kyle Fredrickson. I'm joined in our Denver Post studio today by Ryan O'Halloran for a new age of the podcast, something that's existed for a while, but maybe we'll uh, freshen it up a little bit. You know, six months from now, it's going to be a new era or a new error. <laughs> so I think it's up to us to make this a good era. And... Um, you know, there are uh, some changes in personnel, um, as, as I'm sure the readers know about. I started in mid-May. You've been here for about a year, and then you were doing Broncos pretty much for the offseason and got the nod uh, earlier this summer. So, you know, with, with change comes opportunity, and I think, uh, I think readers are going to be excited about some of the, the new elements we're going to have with our coverage this year. Absolutely, and, and, you know, we're lucky to have a guy like Ryan on the beat on the podcast, someone who's been covering the NFL um, for quite a while now. You know, give us a little bit of, of your run-through and, and ultimately what led you to the post. Sure. Um, graduated Kansas State University, so... Um, uh, so, you know, Colorado belongs in the Big 12. That would be my only college statement. So that was a great rivalry when I was in school. But you know, went to a couple places to earn my stripes and started covering the NFL in 2004 for the Newport News Daily Press in Virginia. That was on the Redskins beat. One year there, um, 2005 to 2009 with the Washington Times uh, for the Redskins. Two more years with the Redskins with Comcast after that. And then the previous six years with the uh, Florida Times Union covering the Jaguars. So seen a lot. Um, I told Doug Marone at uh, Jaguars facilities when I, my last day there, I said, Doug, I got you to the playoffs. Now I'm moving on to the next project. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot of lean years there, but they finally turned around last year. But but Kyle, you're you're at the I grew up in North Dakota, but you are actually a native of the state. Yeah, absolutely. Grew up in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, at a Rocky Mountain High School, former Lobo. Uh, that's where this whole dream really started for me, doing the high school newspaper. Um, had an opportunity to go out to Oklahoma State for college, and and uh, you know being there during a time when Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman were there, uh, followed up by Mason Rudolph and James Washington, some really prolific offenses, real fun teams, um, but always had the dream of coming back to the post, uh, you know, the ability to, to cover the Broncos, the, the, you know, not necessarily the team I grew up cheering for. I, I was a Packers fan as a as a young man. Uh, People are clicking off this podcast. Right, I know, already. I grew up a Viking fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, Obviously, your your allegiances and your fandom changes when you have this job. But yeah, you know, to to, to be in a place uh, where football matters so much in a community that I know very well, um, it, it's it's a very special deal. And and I know this should be a be a fun year with a a lot of variables that could make it pretty good or, or pretty bad. Yeah, and that's ultimately, I think, if you had to if you had to boil it down to one thing, I think it's going to be an all or nothing year. And by all, I don't mean Super Bowl, but. If this team can go from 5-11 to 9-7, and seven, it would stabilize the franchise. You wouldn't have the sweeping changes uh, in January. But the other way is, you know, how about, how about if they're just as bad? Uh, you know, who makes the decision on the coach? Who makes the decision on the front office? You know, are they back in the quarterback market? So I think that's going to be one of the storylines this year is, can they stabilize what's what happened last year and – or is this team going to be in a rut for a couple of years and they're going to have to rebuild? Right, and so we get our first real taste of that uh, starting this Saturday with the beginning of training camp. Uh, we've been able to watch a little bit of limited OTAs and, and, and some mandatory mini camp as well, but this will really be the first chance to see these guys in pads to really kind of address some of these position battles. So much to think about, but let's kind of boil it down to, to five different topics. Sure. Uh, so diving right in, it seems right um, to address the coach. You mentioned Vance Joseph early on there. Here's a guy 
guy who wins five games in his first season, obviously in a win now or, or go home sort of league that immediately puts the pressure, maybe as a guy in a hot seat for you and your conversations with Vance and your early observations, how is year two going to be different? Well, you know, he appears comfortable in his skin, which means, you know, he has some opinions that he hasn't been afraid to, you know, uh, project. And, you know, I thought people may look at this as a little thing, but I thought it was a big thing that during minicamp, he he took a shot at Carlos Henderson for being hurt. Usually coaches don't do that unless they're frustrated by the way the player is attacking his rehab, showing up for training sessions, etc. I thought that was a, a nice uh, way of Vance Joseph telling the fans is, I don't care if I'm anybody's friend this year. I'm here to coach the football team. And if I have to tick off some players and send some messages via the public, that's what I'm going to do. I'm free to aid and abet him through that uh, because that that makes for interesting copy. So... Uh, it's going to be easy to see what kind of camp he runs. The rules really restrict him in terms of being physical. I mean, you can't wear pads for the first couple of days. And I think the first padded practice would be Monday, the 30th. But is if he doesn't like what he's seeing, does he blow the whistle and say, start the bleep over? Right. Or after a practice, does he start his opening statement by saying, wasn't very good today? I think that's the approach he should take. He should hold these players accountable. And, and I think in the past, obviously with how the quarterback position battle played out, that was an area where people maybe took a shot at Vance saying that maybe he was coddling these guys. He was maybe protecting them in a way where in the NFL, it's not really what you need to do at times. Maybe yeah. different coaches have different personalities and ways of going about their business. But like you said, when you need to make a point as a head coach, especially a young head coach, you know, if you're going to follow through with that, your players need to know that you mean what you say. Yeah, and I'll defend Vance, and I wasn't here for this, but, you know, that quarterback situation would have been tough for any head coach because you had options who none of them were an A option. So he felt like he had to give both guys the fair shot. I'm sure he was feeling from above saying, hey, Paxton Lynch, first-round draft pick. So I think with stability at quarterback with Case Keenum, that will allow Vance Joseph to maybe focus on some other parts of the team, and he won't get bogged down with, well, he played six snaps, he's got to play six next time, right. and et cetera, et cetera. Right, you know, and as we move on to several different positions we could talk about that will influence the outcome of this season, I think maybe we start at one of the less sexier positions being offensive line. How healthy is Kate Keenum going to be able to stay, and how healthy are those guys up front going to be to make sure that happens? Yeah, I mean, I did. we did a mailbag uh, that was published on Tuesday the 24th, and all but one question was about the offensive line, and it wasn't glowingly positive. <laughs> so I think this offensive line has to show the fan base. But I always you always got to catch yourself. The guys who played with the first team – up front at the start of practice in camp, you know, it doesn't get really get serious for a couple weeks. I mean, these guys are pros, they're experienced, they know how to get better with limited reps. That said, you gotta watch Ron Leary with the knee, have to watch Jared Veldier with the uh, foot. Matt Paradis has not missed the snap in three years, but he also had dual hip surgery less than two years ago. Yikes. So, Garrett Bowles, second year left tackle, had a lot of penalties last year, he's gotta make a jump. So. Case Keenum is a very athletic quarterback, a very savvy quarterback, so that sack total of 52 is bound to go down. But are they, is this group going to have enough continuity in the run game to block effectively against Seattle in week one? I think it's a subplot that is going to remain that way until you see the preferred five guys. And I'll throw in there, they don't know the right guard is right now. Right. So. 
how surprised were you that they didn't go out in free agency and try to bring in someone else to bolster that group? Well, in theory, the, the Belvedere trade was about the same. Um, he was probably going to be cut by Arizona because he didn't pass a physical. Broncos decided to flip for a six-round pick. Where it surprised me is you had all these picks in the draft, 10 picks, and you didn't address the offensive line until late in day three with Sam Jones, the uh, guard who I think is probably ticketed for the practice squad. There is a lot of value in those third, fourth, fifth rounds with guards, centers, and, but mostly interior guys. Benelock Watson moving inside, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. They're trying to salvage that guy. But not only are they unsettled with their starting five in terms of health, I think they're unsettled with their depth as well. And that's to, to your original question about not do, addressing it more, specifically in the draft. You know, take a couple guys in the later rounds. Instead, they took an extra running back in David Williams, Mark and Sal. Right. They, you know, took a couple linebackers, even though those guys may not be on the field at all defensively this year. You know, when you, you talk about positions that the Broncos identified in the draft that they really went after high in the draft, early in the draft, uh, being receiver, uh, guys like Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Cortland Sutton, you know, already playmakers through OTAs, the hype machine already rolling for these guys, easy when it's a skilled position player like that who can really flash their individual talent. You know, you've got a couple aging players on the roster, a couple new guys coming out. How long do you think it takes before we really find out whether Demarius Thomas can be that number one receiver, that big guy outside, or whether, you know, hey, Cortland's knocking on the door and, and time, it's time for a regime change? Yeah. The receiver mix is interesting because you have the old and the, uh, the young. Cortland Sutton, I, I think, looks like another Allen Robinson, who fantasy players will know from the Jaguars, now with Chicago. Big body, knows how to win the ball in the air, red zone target, red zone threat. I'm expecting big things from Cortland Sutton. What's going to be interesting during camp, when we're allowed to watch the first couple weeks, is they move him, do they move him inside to take advantage of, uh, of his size? Because in theory, then you'd have Thomas and Sanders outside. Yeah, I think Demarius Thomas is still a number one on this team. I still think Emmanuel Sanders is a number two. But we'll really feel, we'll really understand how they feel about Hamilton and Sutton in week one when we see the snap count distribution. What do they do on third down? Do they, what do they do at the slot? Keep Emmanuel Sanders outside. So, you know, I think if I'm the Broncos coaching staff, I know what Thomas and Sanders can do. I want to use this camp to really give a crash course to Hamilton and Sutton. It seems like another position where we could draw some parallels to that would be running back, right? I mean, there's less of a veteran presence in that room, but an influx of young guys, really not a clear pecking order. You know, that's a position where you really don't know who's going to step up until the pads come on. And, and, and that should be a really exciting thing to follow here through camp. Yeah, and it's wide open. Um, you know, Devontae Booker will probably take the first snap of the first practice like he did during all the uh, offseason program. That doesn't mean anything. You know, if they really had confidence in him, they would have not used a third-round pick a late-round pick right. and sign Philip Lindsay right away in undrafted free agency. I think I sort of stood on the table think that Royce Freeman is going to be your week one starting tailback. The third round in this draft is premium territory. If you draft a guy there, you are expecting him to play right away aside from quarterback. So Freeman is your one. Booker is your you know second guy slash third down because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And after that, you know, do you keep David Williams over D'Angelo Henderson? Do you find a way to keep Philip Lindsay on on the roster as a gadget guy who can do a lot of different things and be a, a change of pace? I have Lindsay on my 53-man roster. I also have Henderson just by a whisker over Williams. So, 
you know, fans who are attending these practices, you're going to see all these backs take snaps with the first first team. It is because because they want to save these guys. The misnomer, and you'll hear about you'll hear this a lot. Well, they have all these practices to figure out who the starting running back is. No, they don't because there's no live tackling. Uh, the only thing you figure out is can they catch it and can they pass protect. And it's a first preseason game, second preseason game. That's it. That's the competition because when they go to Washington for that third game, you want to have a guy buttoned down, ready to go. Absolutely. Now, defensively, so many different things we could look at with this team. Some high-profile departures, some big-time draft picks. But let's stick with kind of the edge rushers, mm-hmm. linebackers group. Um, you got a guy like Bradley Chubb who's coming and already has earned huge high reviews. Guys talking about, you know, hey, he, he could have been the first overall pick based on what we've seen so far. Uh, working in this scheme with some real talented linebackers. Uh, how does he fit into this defense, you think, initially? And how does maybe the Shane Ray news of, of not having to go through that surgery maybe change things up a little bit yeah like it changes it up a little bit that you know they're not going to have to force feed Bradley Chubb in every down roll potentially um if he's the better strong side linebacker in the preseason he will uh play in week one the luxury now with Ray being available and he has a long way to go to week one is you can have Ray Von Miller Shaq Barrett Bradley Chubb all on the field at the same time Here's where the versatility for Chubb. Here are the, the weights of the linebackers on the roster. 220, 250, 223, 230, 235. Chubb's listed at 275. So 22 years old. Yeah. So he's a lot bigger than an outside linebacker in a 3-4. You know, they'll play him in base at strong side and move him into defense, move him down to defensive end, three-point stance. So I think the, the benefit of having Ray available right now is, is they're not gonna have to uh, tell Bradley Chubb, you gotta play every play. You know, they can ease them in a little bit. That sounds like a negative term, but on the money downs and the money plays, Chubb's going to be on the field. Absolutely. And so, so much to look forward to with this season. As mentioned before, I've been a college football guy here at the Post uh, covering CSU, CU, and Air Force this past year, my first training camp. But for you, Ryan, not your first rodeo. What are the emotions for you when you head into a new season? Are, are, are you as excited as you were in those early years to, to get this thing going? I mean, just from the reporter's perspective, yeah. what's going through your head? Um, you know, the, the, the excitement isn't, is, is for later. Um, there's like little landmarks during a camp for a reporter that, you know, you just have to survive the first couple weeks, <laughs> right. you know, the first day in pads, because um, tempers may run a little short. The joint practices with the Chicago Bears, one of those are open to the public. If I was a fan, I had to pick one practice to come to. It'd be against the Bears because guys are going to rise up because you don't have to worry about hitting your buddy. Mm-hmm. So then the third preseason game, that's another another line. You know, for, for me as the football guy, I love the sport. That first game is fascinating against Seattle because these coaches, all they've thought about for six months is Seattle. Right. So... How much does Bill Musgrave not show during the preseason? How much does Joe Woods not show? Or do they show a lot to give Seattle a lot to think about? So the excitement, I'm sure like a lot of fans around the country, the excitement it builds as you get closer to September. Right. Optimism always at its peak yeah. as we enter fall camp. Everyone's a Super Bowl contender. Everyone's quarterback's going to be the guy. Uh, plenty of questions to, to ask about this Broncos team as we move forward. So we'll, I'll turn the tables a couple for a couple. We, we talked about these issues. Starting tailback week one. Whew. That's really tough. 
Um, you know, I know that you're, you're you're riding the the Royce Freeman train pretty good. I'd probably have to be on there with you, just mm-hmm. being being like you said, the Broncos haven't shown you know who the trusted guy is, being what they've done in the draft, the moves that they've made, and that shows me that they're willing to have a change. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Royce. I'll join you on that one. Mm-hmm. The last thing while we wrap it up is you know being a first year NFL guy. What are you lo- most looking forward to? Um, for me, it's the access. Um, you know, this first year is going to be definitely a whirlwind in a lot of ways, I think, as a reporter uh, with the travel, the consistency. Um, but in college football, everything's very controlled. Once a week, maybe you're getting a guy for a few minutes. Um, but the consistency of access, developing relationships with these guys, um, you know, I, I think for fans of the league and, and even just casual sports fans, you sort of forget that, you know, these guys are still pretty young men. You know, they're, they're not really full adults, but even dealing with, um, you know, a 22-year-old as compared to a 17 or 18-year-old as a reporter, a little bit more refreshing, you know, more more, more life perspective, kind of kind of just more general uh, knowledge of, of, I guess, the world. And, and when you're interviewing those folks, usually you get a little bit better of a response and more of a kind of natural conversation. So sure. it should be a lot of fun. Sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, we'll, we'll end this uh, First and Orange podcast. This will be one of many throughout the season um, that we'll be bringing you guys, breaking down uh, different games, players, storylines, and, and hopefully a little bit of behind the scenes of what these jobs are and, and, and what goes into reporting on the Broncos. Um, so with that, we will sign off. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.